Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. I'm joined this week again by Jason Gaskell. He's an assistant district manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company in Wilmington, Delaware. Jason, I think last time we talked about getting ready for winter. Now we're going to talk about getting ready for summer. Are you the seasonal tree expert? <laughs> I guess I am. And I'm happy to uh, be talking about summer instead of uh, winter this time. Oh, sure. me, me too. Uh, you know, before we came on, we started chatting. Just we're both so happy that spring is here, right? <laughs> oh, no doubt. And we've had a nice spring, and it's been uh, long. And you know, unfortunately, we had a couple of, of late dangerous frosts, but it's been a, a nice, a nice warm up to uh, to summer so far. So when I'm thinking summer, I guess the first thing I started thinking about is big storms that are on the way here and there, you know, those, those summer storms are scary from a arborist point of view. And from a homeowner's point of view, what should we be thinking uh, when we're thinking of our trees for summer storms? Well, inspection is one of the biggest things. And, you know, when we uh, had this major storm that was supposed to come through earlier this week, we got a little nervous about, you know, the type of damage that we would see. And I almost say that when I come onto a property, um, a lot of times storm damage that I find, it's it's usually from prospective clients that actually never use our services because when I, when I see a tree that's failed, it's almost always predictable. I can always find a problem with a tree, whether it had uh, decay, broken limbs or, or cracks, or uh, you could tell that the, the root system just wasn't uh, a quality uh, foundation for the tree. So inspection would be certainly the, the number one thing that you'd want to want to have done. So look up, have somebody come and look up and look down and look around. That's exactly right. A, a whole 360 view of the tree. That's right. Um, the, the most important part being the major, the main stems and then also looking at uh, major branch unions and see how those branch unions look. Um, when, when two what we would call co-dominant limbs start growing together, uh, they tend to start compressing against one another. You can imagine when you start getting growth rings that are growing yearly and yearly, and as they tighten against one another, they're pushing against one another, and what happens is you start to get a decay pocket in between those uh, those two uh, leader unions. And what happens is that they can pull apart like a wishbone. So there's ways that we can uh, reduce the liability and the, the risk of failure in a storm by doing things like cabling those limbs or doing some what we call end weight reduction pruning, which we would prune the, the weight off of the end so that we're reducing the physics on the outer part of the canopy that's going to cause stress during wind. Well, when you get a predicted storm, you're, you're all getting ready like, okay, here we go. What is the feeling like, though, when the storm misses you? I would say a lot of times it's a sense of uh, relief 
but there's also a sense of like, okay, because, you know, we, we do help people, but it's kind of like being a firefighter. Um, you know, you're, you're there to fight fires. Um, that's your job. And that's probably, that's part of your rush and your adrenaline that you get out of it. But uh, at the same time, you don't want to see uh, catastrophe. You don't want to see uh, people hurt, injured, and you don't want to see their homes and livelihood, you know, taken away from them because it's a long, arduous product process. When you see a, a tree fall through a house, it doesn't get fixed the next day. It's a, it's a process going through the insurance company and, you know, it's, it's a lot of times you drive by the house and it's, it's, you know, a year later and they're, they're still trying to get back off their feet. Hmm. I never thought of that part of it. Uh, yeah. When a tree does fall through a house, I guess it's not an arborist job, but I just wonder what do you do? I mean, you start, yeah, you call your insurance company, but how do you stop the rain from coming in from, from a roof with a tree coming through it? You just tarp it, or what do people do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't really tarp it until you get the tree off because there's too many limbs and it's just too complicated and you just couldn't ever find a tarp and you need a helicopter to do something like that. It's, it's just part of the suffering and part of the damage to your house is going to be water damage, unfortunately. So, you know, the first step is getting the tree off the house. Typically, an uh, insurance company will say either um, – will help you through the situation and may have us directly contact you. Um, we, we work with a lot of insurance companies, you know, they rely on us to do that. And then typically, you know, either they have a um, restoration company that can do the, the tarping, the tarping themselves, or if they don't have someone like that, I, um, a lot of times we'll have, you know, I have roofers in my back pocket that I recommend that I'm, that are trusted vendors that'll get out right after us and they can be, they can be really good and fast and, you know, and do proper tarp installation to keep, you know, further water damage from, from happening. So when talking about summer prep, what else comes to mind for you? One of the biggest things, of course, is, you know, we've, there's so much pressure of insect and disease and then also drought and heat. And, you know, summer can be a really hard time on plants because they're actively growing. Right. I mean, it's, you know, plants aren't stressed in the wintertime because they're, they are uh, dormant, but in the summertime uh, when it's a hundred degrees and, and it's hot and dry uh, plants, the leaves are going to desiccate. You know, insects are going to flourish. It's kind of ringing the dinner bell for the insects to come jump on the plant. So you want to um, try to eliminate uh, insect populations that are, you know, at that uh, at that a point where they're damaging the plant or affecting the looks of the plant, the aesthetics. And then you want to help the, the tree be able to overcome uh, disease. And there seems to always be a new insect working its way north or working its way into the country or whatever it might be, you got to keep up with that stuff, right? Absolutely. So that's just part of globalization. Um, if we're going to, you know, you know, as we gl globalize more and, and trade and commerce works for, from different countries that are, that have different types of diversification, you know, China is a much more diverse uh, environment than, than we are. And, and, 
you know, there's 450 species of oaks or something like that in uh, China where we have 100 and so species. So that means there's just that many more insects that we don't know yet that may be that our trees might not have natural defenses against, which is which can be scary, which is what happened to our ash trees with the emerald ash borer. Yeah. Is that the worst that you've seen or is there something else that comes to mind that came through that that was as devastating to me in my era it's it's been the emerald ash borer i just you know it's hard to believe that over here in pittsburgh that we really basically don't have any more ash left i heard a talker once call this a generational killer so every generation's had its had its uh major killers you know the chest started with the chestnut blight and then you have the dutch elms disease which would be your your and then emerald ash borer, and you call those your big three. And then, you know, I'm, I'm sure and, you know, terrified of what's next on the horizon, um, you know, that we're going to see one of our great species of trees that we love, like white oaks or something like that, you know, disappear because of some funky insect or disease that we just don't know what's on the horizon yet. So before we started talking, you told me that there's a new type of treatment that you've been working with, and I'm going to have a lot of questions about this because it sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. So this is a polyphosphate 30. So polyphosphate 30 is a um, basically a fertilizer. So it's 0027. It's a um, it can be applied foliar. Um, so it could be a systemic foliar potassium polyphosphate product, or it can be injected into the soil. And, you know, what it really does is it provides potassium. Um, it's a slow release phosphate and it helps with resistance to uh, heat and drought stress and uh, stimulates the plant's defenses against disease. And then also uh, aids in the compartmentalization of wounds. So you can actually spray it on, uh, a damage like where you've where you've got um, where the tree's been damaged, and you can spray it, and you can actually get better reaction wood um, than than just letting it do its natural thing. We used to spray trees, you know, with tar and uh, that that sort of stuff, and you know the, those aerosols and those type of things actually you know inhibit the tree's ability to to compartmentalize. You know, so those things are actually bad. Um, you know, where this is actually helping the tree, you know, start this compartmentalization and stimulates that even quicker. When did this come into play? This is the first I've heard of it. Um, a few years back, um, we started using it last year, uh, a couple of years ago with, uh, you know, experimenting with it. And now, you know, a lot of offices are now starting to use it. Uh, we started using it um, pretty heavily last year, and this year we're, we've automatically put it into our lawn program. So our summer FERT, instead of putting a lot of nitrogen in, we're going to put this on the lawn to help with the drought t tolerance, the heat stress, and then also fortify against uh, disease um, instead of just trying to push nitrogen, which is going to push, make the plant try to grow in a stressful environment. And... You know, then we're going to uh, inject trees with it too, um, to help with uh, the help with the, the drought stress. And we've seen uh, pretty amazing uh, results um, from uh, from a point of view of, and I, got, I can show you a picture here of 
where like a tree was damaged by a car, was hit by a car. And so they started spraying it. And, you know, over, over half a year, um, the, uh, the results are, are pretty phenomenal. Um, to see the compartmentalization process go so quickly, it's like, it looks like it was, you know, the tree was compartmentalizing over a couple of years to, to get this result. Um, and let's see if I can show you this picture. And this was a, uh, this was over four and a half months. Uh, they traced the bark area, treated with uh, polyphosphate in water and sprayed the wounded area in May. And uh, this is what it looked like by uh, September. Wow. So explain exactly what we're seeing there. That is, that is amazing. You know, yes. that tree got nailed hard by a, a car. And then in that short amount of time, that tree is, is, is looking good. Yeah, you can see where, um, so on the, <clears throat> I guess your left side is where the tree initially got hit. And then you can see where the tree is starting to seal the wound. Compartmentalization is a process where the tree, you know, trees don't heal like we do when we get cut. They they seal. And so they seal in different ways. And you can see the callus tissue that the callus tissue that's coming over will eventually, you know, close close that wound. Now that's a big wound. I'd like to see how it looks now, but um, you know, this is this is that's a lot of growth for for just four months, that's for sure. Well, before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about you and what you get out of your job, because it's obvious that you are passionate about this. Talk a little bit about that for me. So I got into this industry. I was uh, into interpretation of natural resources. I was a park ranger, uh, biology. So I've always loved the sciences. And I always loved my, my, my thought was I wanted to explain stuff to people and, and teach people things. And talk about the natural environment. And so I was a park ranger for a little bit. And then I worked for uh, a nature society where I taught children's classes and adult classes. And, um, and you know, that, that's what I was really passionate about. And, but a lot of times some of those jobs are kind of seasonal and I didn't see a clear path to become full time for, uh, you know, as far as what I heard when I interviewed other park rangers, that it would take quite a while. And so during the winter season, I ended up getting a job as a landscaper. And then it was, and then I heard about arboriculture and I was recommended uh, to a, to a company where, um, and when I interviewed and I just saw the process, I said, wow, this is the neatest thing in the world. Like we're doing plant healthcare, taking care of trees and being a tree doctor. I was like, this is going to be like the coolest job in the world. And, I could see myself being a, a doctor of, of living things and trees and, and plants and shrubs and diagnosis and, and talking to people and helping solve problems like that was, was kind of like, it clicked me and I was like a dream come true type of, of thing. And I, that's where I started off was in plant healthcare. And I did that for uh, many years before I got into the consultation and management side of things um, where I still, you know, love, you know, talking to people about trees and I get to, you know, solve the problems and, and help them diagnose why their trees are, are, are sick or dying and explain to them about living things and, you know, and help them 
You know, arboriculture is a study of, of trees in an urban environment. I always say if it's if if you're not studying it in an urban environment, um, an urban can be anything suburban or anywhere where people are living, you know, it's forestry otherwise. So arboriculture is 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 working with people and solving problems about trees with people and people in trees and, and putting that together and finding out, you know, what they what, what their needs are and what they what what they want to see out of their their landscapes. Good stuff. And, now, before I let you go, though, uh, you have another first on the show. Now, listeners can't see it, but tell us what hat you're wearing today. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, Talking Trees. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I got this hat after doing a, uh, a segment with uh, Katie DeBeau. All right. Um, and uh, they, they they sent that to me, uh, I guess, last year. And I've it's been my go-to hat since then. I've got two of them because with my hairline, I, I need to always have a hat, <laughs> hat on as soon as I step out the door. <laughs> as, as well. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, you know. As soon as I had my first bout bout of uh, skin cancer, I, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm never sans a hat. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, Jason. Thanks again for your time. It was great to talk to you again. And boy, that was just wonderful information. Oh, thanks, Doug. I appreciate that. One of the reasons I love hosting this podcast is every week I learn something. It might be something about trees or the people who care for them. Now, tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. We are always having fun, and as I said, we're always learning. As always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer. <laughs>